Craig Brown, and welcome to Passages. Passages is a space to explore Bible passages used in churches for preaching, reflection, and prayer. My hope is that Passages will shine a unique light on text used in the lectionary in the coming weeks. Today's passage is Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. It happens to be the reading for the 23rd Sunday after the Pentecost, also known as proper number 26 in the year B cycle of the lectionary. It's the reading for October 31, All Hallows' Eve in the year 2021. This particular passage of scripture is quite well known within the Gospels. It occurs in all three of what are called the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This particular reading from Mark has some nuances and some differences to it from those other gospel readings that do in many ways make it unique. But then, for the most part, they're all quite similar in terms of their meaning. Mark's story is unique from the standpoint that there's some additional phrases we'll talk about, and then there is an exchange that Jesus has at the end of this particular passage that is significant in Mark's gospel. Well, let's start by looking at this passage of Scripture, beginning at verse 28 of Mark chapter 12. It really begins with describing the greatest command. And what's happening in this particular text is it's a closing of a long section in which Jesus has been having an interaction with a variety of different Jewish leaders. In Mark chapter 11 and Mark chapter 12, he's talking to various Jewish leaders within the religious community. This particular passage is with a scribe. We'll talk about that in a moment. Jesus has also been in conversations with Pharisees, priests, and Sadducees. Really, the only thing you need to keep in mind as you hear these different labels for Jewish religious leadership is that the priests and the Sadducees were really dedicated to the Jewish forms of worship that occurred in the temple in Jerusalem. The scribes and the Pharisees were much more concerned with the teaching of Jewish law and scholarship surrounding that law. So priests and Sadducees were really devoted to the temple. The scribes and Pharisees were really devoted to the law. And in this case, the scribe is an expert in Jewish law. Uh, Oftentimes in scripture, you'll hear this person called a lawyer. Uh, This person is a scholar who knows the Jewish text backwards and forwards, has significant portions, and in some cases, all of it memorized. And so they're considered to be the legal experts. And so one of these experts comes to Jesus in verse 28 and asks a question. One of the scribes, it says, came up and heard them saying, arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, he being Jesus, he asked him, the scribe asked Jesus, what commandment is the foremost of them all? So the question is, which command is first or foremost? The Greek word that the scribe uses here, or at least Mark uses in this text, is the word protos. It's the word for first. Uh, as opposed to deuteros, which is the word for second. We'll get to that in a minute. And this question is really one of Jewish orthodoxy. Is Jesus essentially Jewish as far as the scribe is concerned? And so Jesus begins his answer with what would be considered a classic Jewish response to that question. He says, the answer to the question is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's called the Shema. It's the Shema is the 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 Greek the Hebrew word to hear, and that's the first word in this particular passage that's lifted 
um, out of the book of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The first thing that Jesus says is that that this God that he serves is the same God the scribe serves and that, that this God is one. It's the typical Jewish creed for monotheism. And only Mark includes this. Uh, Matthew and Luke do not. The Shema is the, the essential statement of Jewish faith, and Jesus puts it at the very beginning of his response to the question asked to him by the scribe. Then Jesus goes on and says that there's an ethic that goes with this, and it's in verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Notice there's four ethics there, heart, soul, mind, and strength. In both Matthew and Luke's version, there's only three ethics that are contained there. But in Mark's, there are four. Again, this is peculiar to Mark. There are four qualifiers of ethics, uh, ways in which we're called to engage with God and how we're to bring our whole self to that. Now, now we'll talk in a moment about the differences between these four words and why it's actually not that important in this particular text. But let's get to the next part that Jesus says in verse 31. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this particular uh, phrase Jesus lifts out of the book of Leviticus, not the book of Deuteronomy like the previous verse was. This particular ethic has to do with the loving of neighbor as oneself. The formulation of this together the passages that Jesus cites from Deuteronomy chapter 6, the passages of scripture that Jesus cites from Leviticus, the putting together of the loving of God and the loving of neighbor was not an invention Jesus made up in that moment. It was not uncommon in his day for Jewish scholars and leaders to, to put these two commandments or ethics together. You see, when Jesus answers the question, that the, the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, that's kind of a slam dunk. That's the totality of God affirmed. And it adds nuance to what's going to follow, where Jesus says that we're to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. To be honest, it's really hard to parse these out. And what I mean by that is we could talk about what it means to love God with one's heart, what it means to love God with one's mind, with soul, with strength. The intentionality behind this phrase isn't so that we understand the different compartments here, heart, mind, soul, strength. It's to understand that this is a very Jewish way of expressing the totality of the love of God, that every part of who we are, every part of our human constitution is aligned toward the loving of God. Our, our consciousness, our subconscious, our physical body our spiritual self, everything that we are is to engage in a love of God. And as Jesus concludes this section about loving God with all our heart, our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself, Jesus then says, there's no other commandment greater than these. Now there's a shift that happened. If you notice back up in verse 28, the scribe asked him, what commandment is first or protos, first or foremost of them all? And Jesus concludes by saying there is no other commandment greater than these. So instead of being first, it's now the greatest. And what Jesus is trying to frame here for us is something very important. That there's this, um, in these two commandments of loving God and loving neighbor, is a summary of all the Jewish law that there really is. Uh, as you probably know, the Ten Commandments called the Decalogue. 
uh, contains five commandments that are focused on the love of God, five commandments that are focused on the love of neighbor. And so even though we might think of the Ten Commandments as like the top ten list, these two commandments are the most succinct and clear embodiment of what those commandments mean. Jesus affirms, as other Jews did in his day, that this love is the central Jewish ethic. And he establishes himself quite clearly. So after being questioned in chapters 11 and 12, this final episode closes the kind of accusations and arguments and questions with Jesus asked by the religious leaders of his day. The key passageway here is this for us, that love is the irreducible ethic of Christian living, that everything points to this and everything flows from it. And it's not an emotive love only. It's a behavioral kind of love, a sacrificial love. The word for love used here, particularly in the Greek text, is the word agape. And it's very hard to discuss the differences between these different Greek words for love. But in this particular case, the, this word for love has within it some sense of, of, uh, of uh, the truest form of love. It's the sacrificial love. It's completely other-centered. And notice even in the passage Jesus quotes from Leviticus that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It assumes that we have an appropriate love of ourselves so that we love our neighbors in a way that is similar or perhaps even greater than the love we have for ourselves. Love is the irreducible ethic of Christian living, and nothing is more important than that. So Jesus says not only if, if these commandments foremost or first, he says they're actually the greatest of all of them, perhaps because they summarize every other commandment there is. Now, Jesus turns to this conversation with the scribe after he makes this great affirmation of Jewish truth. So it says in verse 32 that the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have truly said that he, God, is one and there is no other besides him. And to love God with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. You see, what's at stake here is the great confession that goes on in this exchange between the scribe and Jesus. It's not just Jesus' answer to the question, but it's the audience surrounding them while they're having this conversation, and even the scribe to whom Jesus speaks. Now, the scribe, after hearing Jesus, as it says in verse 32, affirms everything Jesus said. The difference is, is that the scribe takes the four ethics Jesus talked about, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, four of them, that the scribe reduces it back to the three, that you shall love God with all of your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, just three ethics rather than four. So while standing in the very temple where animal sacrifices are being made regularly as part of the Jewish form of worship, a form of worship that the priest and the Sadducees embrace, the scribe says something astounding. He says at the end of verse 33, and I'll finish the phrasing here, it says, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. So you see how this conversation has shifted based on the audience that's standing there. There's priests, Sadducees, scribes, 
Pharisees, lay people, all standing around listening to this conversation. The scribe originally asked Jesus, which commandment is first? Jesus concludes his answer by saying that the, these two commandments of loving God and loving, loving neighbor are greater than these. And then the scribe makes the next leap to say that these two commandments, they are greater or more important than all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices. So imagine what it would be to be a priest or a Sadducee and to hear the scribe say that. The scribe is essentially insulting the very way in which you practice your own faith. The scribe says that the ethic of love is vastly more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And that the scribe isn't saying anything new. This is something we we read again and again in the prophets contained in the Old Testament, this notion that the intent of our worship is vastly more important than the act of our worship and that the act of our worship has to flow out of the intentionality of it. You see, this places the ethic of Jesus that he articulates here above other commandments, and that's the part that's new. It's not the formulation of loving God and loving neighbor. Many Jewish thinkers of the day would have articulated the same thing. But Jesus' statement that those two commandments are greater than all the others, and the scribe's affirmation that they're more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices, that's the wrinkle in this text. You know, typically in the rabbinic world of Jesus' day, the only way in which the Jewish religious leadership would talk about the hierarchy of commandments, in other words, which commandments are more important than others, would be to say that some of them are heavy and some of them are light. Some commandments are harder, some commandments are easier, but they're all equal in their implication. The scribe gives us a new wrinkle and Jesus affirms it, that these two commandments the loving of God and the loving of neighbor are actually more important than those things. And so, of course, Jesus responds to him this way. You're not far from the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus, it says in verse 34, notice the scribe had answered, quote, intelligently. In other words, he understands the ethic here. So to understand the ethic of loving God and loving neighbor is critically important. The question, though, that Jesus is laying out in some uh, implied form here, is can the scribe take the ethic of loving God and loving neighbor and frame it into behavior? You see, he's not far from the kingdom of God. He's on track. He's pointing to it. The intentionality of love, the embodiment of this ethic is important, but can it translate into actions, into behaviors? That is tantamount. Love is not just an intent. It's actually a behavior. And the key passageway here is this for us, that acting in love is different than being in love. In my days of serving as a pastor of local churches, I would oftentimes ask uh, couples during a marriage counseling session, what is it about marriage they were most looking forward to? And so many times the, the, the couple that were to be married would answer that question and frame it in terms of what they believed they would get out of being married, what the benefit of the relationship would be to them. Rarely did I hear either party in a couple articulate how much they were looking forward to being able to give, to offer, to share, and to surrender. You see, 
oftentimes we know the truth about love and know what it stands for and what it is. What I'm saying is that we know the ethic of it, but when it comes to living in that truth, well, that's a different subject altogether. This great conversation between Jesus and the scribe points to this. This great confession orders our life to love above and beyond all other things. So the liturgy we keep, the practices we keep, the worship that we keep, all must reinforce that ethic and behavior. And those practices need to emerge from that ethic. You see, without love as our intentionality, that which is within us, the actions we take are diminished in their value. That's why the loving of God and loving of a neighbor is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. This is the heart of religious hypocrisy when we detach the intentionality of what we are seeking and desiring to do from the behaviors we want to practice. In other words, we say or believe one thing, but yet we do something else. Acting in love is different than being in love. And this notion of acting, this notion of embodying love is the heart of the Christian ethic of loving God and loving neighbor. And they go together. They're inseparable loves. And for us as followers of Jesus, we are called to embody them in our sacrificial behaviors toward one another. That's it for this week. I bid all of you grace. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. God bless you.